Hi there, and welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher level leaders across the healthcare industry. My name is Iqbal Acha. I'm a career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to ask how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. My first guest is Dr. Mayur Shah, Vice President of Content Enhancement at Keris, an e-learning company. Mayur is a legend in the healthcare training industry. Over the course of his career, he has launched and led five different companies dedicated to delivering quality education and improving healthcare around the world. Today, he uses technology to enhance the learner experience by designing content in the healthcare space using virtual reality, augmented reality, 3D images, and gaming for learning. Let's jump right in. Hey, Mayur, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Iqbal? Fantastic, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. I'm excited to have you on. Glad to be here. Why don't you take a few seconds here and kind of share with the world who you are um, and what you do in, in your current role? So I'm a pharmacist. I graduated from Midwestern in 2000 with my PharmD, and I kind of explored different aspects and avenues of pharmacy practice from retail to community practice to um, specialty in oncology and hematology, and I even specialized in pain management. Eventually, I got more involved in the payment aspect of pharmacy, so I involved myself with, at the time, was Caremark to understand how you know, medications were being distributed at large mass and how we could make it more efficient. So essentially, I figured out through all the practice and where I went, there was more I wanted in pharmacy practice. So I decided to, um, you know, start my own independent pharmacy. But as you know, Iqbal, you know, one of the other great achievements is MRXI, right? Uh, A corporation that both you and I have talked about while our time even at pharmacy school. So <laughs> it became a reality. And uh, so, you know, while working in pharmacy, kind of getting an opportunity to start MRXI Corporation, which was a education consulting company for pharmacy technicians and other entry-level healthcare people. But, you know, we branched out and uh, started doing, um, you know, a lot of independent pharmacy practice mixed with education training both started to blend into each other. So became kind of a great model. Um, today, you know, uh, MK Education, which was MRXI and Kushan was acquired. So now we are career step. So today I'm the vice president of enhanced content for career step. And what that basically means is I get to still make education programs for healthcare, but in the virtual reality, artificial simulations and Um, augmented reality uh, aspects of uh, teaching practice, kind of going into the future. 
So that's what I currently do. And uh, I'm also involved in um, Habit New, which is a, um, a uh, diabetes prevention program, uh, program to collect metrics and uh, be able to uh, help patients to monitor with lifestyle coaches so that they can prevent diabetes. And um, I've also involved myself in telehealth and telemedicine, um, you know, as in, in, in aspects of investment purposes, but more consulting to see how pharmacists can make an impact in the future of telehealth. So you're, you have such an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I've known that about you and I'm sure others have as well, but you kind of learned a lot along the way, right? There's no formal training in terms of how to be able to leverage technology to advance healthcare. Um, and in your current role as a vice president of content enhancement, you're trying to be able to teach healthcare professionals um, and allied healthcare professionals how to be really good at what they're going to be doing or how to take what they're doing today and make them even better. Give me an idea of what some of the challenges that you and your team are working on today. I mean, clearly a world post-pandemic world, um, you know, virtual technology, artificial intelligence is all going to become more of a central component of the training and development aspects. But, you know, you have like a slice of the pie that's very different than most training and development companies. You're, you're teaching healthcare professionals, right? And that patient care, patient, uh, you know, patient aspect is kind of hard to be able to do. So give me an idea of some of the challenges that you're facing um, and how you and your team are looking to solve for that. Yeah, it, it definitely is a challenge. It was a challenge when I was with MRXI and it's, you know, going to be even a challenge with what we do today. You know, in we've always wanted to create great education training programs. What happens is, you know, the education and training of healthcare professionals was kind of written in the 1960s and 70s. And those manuals have continued to be the training model for so many people and those rules have not evolved. If anything has evolved in COVID, we can find that training can be done online with a good level of efficiency and quality and then followed up with some level of hybrid, right? So um, that happens in person and so, some of the challenges that we face is we are now working with hospitals and institutions that are looking for training solutions, but trying to get them out of the paradigm shift of thinking that teaching and training can only be done in person, can only be done in classrooms, and can only be done with textbooks. That, that guideline was great when it was written in the 60s because that was the level of technology at the time. And today we, were, we live in a world where you can do all your training from a didactic perspective in healthcare, from the theoretical perspective, all online. And we are now even building simulations that are online so that you can view this stuff before you ever enter a healthcare practice. The challenge is trying to get this future type of idea thinking that makes it safe, efficient, for everyone into the minds of people who are in the training world and have always trained a certain way. So it's like when the pandemic ends and it's easy for people to come in, it's like no more online training. Let's go back to the old model of cramming everybody in a classroom and wish the best, you know? <laughs> so. And I think that that's a, a fantastic aspect, right? Like as human beings, we crave security, we crave stability. 
And you are a pioneer in this space, trying to bring education and training on, not just to a new level, but on a new platform and helping that become the standard. Have there been companies, and maybe this is proprietary, but you can share what you can. Like, what are some of the companies that have listened to you and listened to your organization and recognize the value that you bring? Um, and what are some of the, you know, success stories that you might have where you can say, this is what we did for them. And now here's a case study that shows this is why this is where education and training need to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of case studies. I mean, it's still new at my time here at CareerStep, but at least at, with MRXI Corporation, we were paramount in bidding on whatever opportunities were available to us to provide every employer a solution that could be both scalable and efficient in getting the results they want. And so what did that mean? That meant providing a hybrid approach. And so that's what we bid on. We won the CVS contract in Washington to be able to do all the training for technicians before there was a partnership with, with Target. We also won the Baxter contract in, um, in the Chicago area. And that training was because they realized that the uh, technicians that were helping the dialysis patients to receive their home dialysis had to indeed be certified pharmacy technicians. Baxter didn't wanna send all their employees to a school, so they were looking for an education provider. There were 12 bidders and um, my company at the time, MRXI Corporation was selected. The case study was great there. We were able to retain a good percentage of the employees that Baxter wanted to keep and they all got certified. We had an 85% success rate. Um, it also allowed um, Baxter to reorganize how they were hiring people to fit that technician role being pre-certified so that they didn't have to get them certified with, with training internally. However, you know, those are just two of the, of the most model case studies. We've also won RFPs and awards in multiple states to be able to provide workforce investment dollars to make um, our graduates go to work. Um, the majority of our students that complete the program and then go on and get an externship um, predominantly get hired, you know? And so it's an opportunity for people to get job and training all in one. And uh, the efficiency of it has been um, taken in very um, easily by big companies who notice that we do have a, we do have a good approach to make uh, training possible. Pretty good. I mean, those are some major organizations that you've described and the impact that your training has on not just them and their organization, but the industry as a whole is it's pretty significant. Um, and so let me ask you this, Mayer, like you're a pharmacist, you've been and are a CEO and you're on the board of many other organizations and currently you're a vice president. So you see healthcare from not just one level, but a variety of different perspectives. And you get to see how the healthcare industry is changing um, and how patient care is starting to form uh, and transform into. Like as a leader in this space, how do you see healthcare changing in the next five years? Um, whether it's from a patient level, whether it's from a provider care level, whether it's from an organizational level, how do you see healthcare adapting to what that future state looks like? Um, and you know, where do you see you know, healthcare professionals having to adapt in order to fit that mold? Well, <laughs> that's a big question, right? It has so many pieces. Um, 
you know, these are things that that I try to keep up to date on on a constant basis. You know, I just recently attended the digital healthcare conference from Northwestern that Kellogg offered. So, you know, the conversation continues to be the same. You know, we're moving into a digital age. All of healthcare is moving to a digital age. We have to be able to uh, train ourselves and be ready to transform into the world of artificial intelligence, into the world of being able to assess patients and communicate with patients from anywhere and any place. Um, you know, so there's so much impact gonna happen in the next five years. I think one of the um, things that COVID did is it brought us into the digital age a lot faster than the um, you know, society, at least in the United States, was ready to do. Other countries have become more advanced with their technology in China and Korea and Japan. But you know, here in the United States, we are slowly moving into those 4G, 5G speeds. But with COVID, we are now into the digital revolution and we have to adopt. And what it means for healthcare is very exciting because we are now going to be in a place where we're not going to have to just guess and just use our own instincts to make medical practice. We will now have efficient computer systems with algorithms built to make our practice more efficient and more successful. In the pharmacy world, I see the age of dispensing medications at a fast paced retail level moving to automation entirely. It's more cost efficient and um, less errors and you know it, the cost savings go to the patient, right? So that's inevitable. So what does that mean for pharmacists? So pharmacists for long have done so many things outside of prescription dispensing, but you know, now it's the time to be able to use those as the forefront and no more, no more using the dispensing role as the possibility of, of just a pharmacy career anymore. You know, as pharmacists, we have so much knowledge in the course therapy of patients that now we can use that to our advantage. And so what I see is what's already happening is pharmacists are now being paid to do uh, consultations either from a telephysician or in person, you know, simple things like checking blood pressures and smoking sensation, um, helping patients with their opioid, um, you know, either addictions or relief. We're talking about weight management now with vaccines. So the opportunities for pharmacists is great. It just matters how we how we grasp it, right? We have to break the mold of thinking that, you know, we require somebody else to tell us what the prescription is or what there is to do. Instead, now we will be a part of the process in deciding what the prescription will be and how it will be managed. And that way we can start monitoring and assisting. In the, in the long run, it's in the benefit of the patient, right? Um, when you think about it from the patient perspective, if you take a medication, you want to know how it's affecting you. You want to know what it's doing. Many patients get lost in the month by month, just popping a pill, not realizing what it does and how it could be affecting them and how it could probably be taken off, you know? So many medications can be removed from a patient's profile and moved to still non-pharmacological means, but these require coaching and monitoring. And so, you know, the days of going to a club is asking too much. So now we can do it from your home. Yeah. We can do it from your watch. We can do it from, you know, we can do it from your apps. We can be in communication with you if you want to do it. Right. 
And um, I think a lot of people in, in America are ready to start, uh, you know, taking responsibility for their health. I think they realize after COVID, the youngest and the oldest can still be a, um, you know, an unfortunate victim of the virus. So, you know, this is, this is kind of what we have to start um, realizing in the new space of healthcare, there will be an opportunity for pharmacists and other healthcare professionals to monitor things in a much larger scale with a lot more details, all put in, in digital live presence, right? I'll know your blood pressure. I'll know the last time you refilled your prescription. I'll know the last time you saw your physician. I know your enzyme levels, your liver levels. So, you know, this is a very valuable now, right? It's like being in pharmacy school and getting this full soap, <laughs> you know, instead of just bits and pieces. So. Yep. I, I love that perspective. And, you know, I think that we're at a point in, in healthcare, we're at a point at this country where you have a larger group of professionals that are digitally native. Like they are born with an iPad in their hand. They are very capable of being able to seamlessly leverage technology and communicate with patients and providers. So that way they get not just the full scope, but the best care possible. And I think that even the outliers, right? Like the older generation um, and the younger generation who are either incapable or unwilling to do that, have an opportunity to work with these providers that are going to give that you know, holistic care you know, for the for the listeners on this podcast that are you know, listening to this today, you know, somebody, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, how you got to where you are today. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure that there's been some milestones in your career, um, or some ways that you've been able to prepare yourself for such a role. How would you share your story with somebody that says, oh, one day when I grow up, I want to be like Mayur. Um, Like, what <laughs> advice do you have for somebody to do that? Yeah, no, it's a, uh... It's a great question. And it's, an, it's, I feel very honored that somebody would want to follow these footsteps. I mean, everybody, everybody has a footstep to follow. Okay. So, um, you know, and, and, and my own son is considering, you know, is in the pre-pharmacy program already. So, you know, I, I, what I do is I introduce, I like to expose both myself and anybody who wants to listen to what I'm trying to, um, what I've learned, right? And let's talk about it. So the most valuable thing that I have done over the years is you is networking. The networking capacity to talk to somebody, to listen to somebody, to absorb what they are saying, and then to make sense of it, builds on the foundation of, of who you become. Mm. The college, the universities, the residencies, even the workplace are great foundations for you to get started, but none of that matters and stays stagnant until you network. And so when you network, you begin to talk to people. And I'm not just talking in the pharmacy's network space. You have to speak like, you know, for example, you know, in Chicago, um, Matter, which is a, um, you know, just a healthcare incubator in, in downtown Chicago and Merchandise Mart, they have lectures all the time and membership to listen to what is going on in the digital healthcare workplace, right? So it's networking, going to conferences, not just to learn pharmacy skills and drug knowledge, but also to learn what is happening in healthcare, right? So those, those are instrumental in the beginning. The second thing is you have to read. You don't have to read physical books all the time, but you know the, um, the, uh, the continuing education opportunities, 
the pharmacy organizations have, have really offered some really cool stuff that you should be involved in. You should start, you know, do those certification programs, be involved in the certificate programs if it's part of your practice, right? So those as a student, as a person maybe thinking in what about pharmacy or maybe a student who's in pharmacy school about to graduate, oh, I don't know what I wanna do. You will figure it out. But in order to figure it out, don't think you have the answer, okay? Because believe me, you don't. <laughs> The only way you're going to find the answer is to keep building on your building blocks of education. And that means getting out there into the public and start talking to people who have done it and try to understand how their journey is to get there and see how much you can duplicate or make it more efficient. I mean, that's what a good entrepreneur wants. How do you make it more efficient? So... You said something earlier that caught my ear, and I kind of want to go back to that. You said there's always somebody else's footsteps that we can follow in. And I think that that's a brilliant way to phrase the idea that, you know, we're not, we're not treading on, you know, new paths. We're not creating our own paths until we've come to a point because of other people that have brought us there. So Mayur, when you think about some of the people that, of, when you think about some of the other people's footprints that you've walked in, who are the ones that were the most influential for you or the ones that either taught you more or helped remove obstacles for you to be able to see, understand and experience all the things that you needed to do? Like who's the one person that you would say is the one, you know, your role model at whatever point in your career? Honestly, I don't know if I could say I have one role model. If I would say it's, it's a role model, I would say it's an institution. Um, for me, Midwestern University has provided every opportunity for me to grow, whether it was internally to be the leader in an organization or it was to figure out how to raise money for us to go to Miami and join APHA with, uh, you know, with Dr. I Chapman. remember that. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, listen, what, whatever it took, um, the university always provided means and resources so that students if they wanted it, they would help you succeed. So there's a lot of people, you know, there was Dean Slatkin, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, who's no longer with us. But, you know, for me, you know, I'm a student. When I was applying to pharmacy school, I didn't know I was going to get in. It was so hard to get in when I was trying to get in. You know, Dean Slatkin told me to my face that, you know, I didn't accept you because you were the most exceptional student. I accepted you because I think you had promise. I mean, that was then at Midwestern University, right? And I said, you know, I got, I owe this university gratitude for what, you know, achieved. And then after him, it was, you know, Dr. Mary Lee, you know, uh, coaching through that with Dr. Fiertoff. So, you know, and even now we have Dean Emerson, right? So, and the list continues. They continues to support and foster ideas that either their alumni or their students bring to the table. And that's, you know, for me, um, that institution was my role model because everybody at that institution was ready to say, yeah, hey, Mayer, you got an idea? You know, <laughs> you got to figure it out because let us know, you know, we'll help you. I mean, even today, Sue Cornell is ready to help me with whatever ideas I have to progress pharmacy. So, you know, when you have somebody like that, a group of people like that, that are going to support you, then you feel confident, right? So you got to find your circle. You got you to find your circle, you got to make them believe in you, and you got to make sure that 
that whatever you do, you're doing it at the best level, right? No, no, no uh, immediate skips, no, uh, you know, fast GameStop, you know, uh, ventures in stocks, okay? <laughs> this stuff takes hard work. It takes hard work. It takes understanding. It takes patience, but it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So I would, wouldn't trade it for anything else. <laughs> so you've, you, you know, in that statement, like you clearly defined for me, like a sense of loyalty to a group and an institution that really helped shape you. And, you know, I mean, I've watched your journey for many decades, right? Like we've been friends forever. Um, and, you know, we've both learned different lessons through different experiences. We've gone through hard, we've gone through hardships, we've gone through high successes, and there's always like a life lesson that we learn, whether it's personal or professional, that kind of changes our perspective on, on how we treat other people or how we treat challenges and how we embrace uh, uncertainty. Is there a life lesson that you can say that you've experienced that totally changed your perspective and your trajectory? Um, and what was that lesson? Uh, that's a little deep, you know. <laughs> I get paid the big bucks for these kinds of questions. <laughs> oh boy, you know. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of life lessons, you know. I think um, it's hard to pick anyone in particular, but uh, you know, um, the pathway of being an entrepreneur has a lot of challenges, both from a family perspective from a friendship perspective, you know, being social in the world. You know, one thing that is, sticks out for me is the fundamental change to uh, take the beat down and keep rising again, right? So, you know, for so many years, as I was, as I was uh, creating incredible programs, with my um, you know, fellow owners, fellow teammates at MRXI, it, it was fun, it was exciting because we were creating something fun and, and unique. Then you deal with the, the, uh, the reality of people ripping you off, people taking you naive, people doing things that take you for granted. And then you become this person that unfortunately changes with the business. And so now the, the, the the gift of telling, of, of telling a course in its form, the way we wanted it, is now transformed into something that has to be for the public or has to fit somebody's, somebody's paradigm, you know, kind of thing. So I think the biggest challenge and, and, and grasp I find is that don't change who you are because the system wants you to change. Who you are makes you the uniqueness that adds the quality of who you are. Many times I have questioned that and the entrepreneur, an entrepreneur will always question that, you know, is this worth it? Am I worth it? Is it, you know, am I going to get in trouble with my spouse? Am I going to get trouble with my kids? Am I spending enough time? These things are going to happen. And it, and so what has to happen is you have to believe number one in yourself. You have to believe that what it is you are trying to do is the best at your capacity and it's going to benefit both you and your family and the society around you. If it, if it fits that criteria for me, I feel like I have to stick with it and be who I am. And so I think the most important lesson that I could ever learn is you just have to be genuine. You, you have, it's really hard in these days to be genuine when 
you see everything on social media and people have different expectations, but you know, just be real. Nobody, it, so many things are unreal these days. You know, you, everything seems so fake. And so uh, be real, be genuine, um, explain what it is you are trying to achieve. If a person doesn't like your idea, that's cool. It's okay. That doesn't mean that your idea is no good. That doesn't mean that your idea has to be thrown away. It just, you take people's consideration and you keep and stick through it. And you don't worry about trying, other people are gonna, oh, they're gonna rip you off. Oh, they're gonna steal your stuff. Oh, they're gonna take your ideas. Cause that's the fear we live in. And it's going to happen. It's happened to me multiple times by the, some of the most trusted colleagues and trusted friends. So people have different values. People have different ethics. That doesn't mean you have to change your value or your ethics. You know, you do it, you, you do what you want to do. If you have an idea, you have to bring it to formation because the society needs it. You know, what it's so, it, so, many, so many great ideas are getting lost because people are afraid of how they may look, you know, on social media or in public or <laughs> wherever it may be. But it's that idea that changes. One little idea changes how we do things. And so I would say that that's the biggest change that I would say that would uh, um, change my character is taking reflection on oneself to realize in yourself, who are you around? Who are you surrounded by? Um, that can help you achieve the goals that you aim to, to achieve one day. Mm -hmm. and, and believe in yourself. Don't let any, people are gonna talk you out of it. I don't know how many people have talked me out of whatever I do. <laughs> so people will talk you out of it. And so it's important that you, you believe in what it is that you are gonna try to achieve and you stick with it and you find the right people that can help you achieve it. And when I say right people, the people who have done it. <laughs> I like that. And that's, you know, in the world that we're living today, like you're talking about how there's so much fake information, fake ideologies, and the genuine ideas that are being lost because of a misconceived or preconceived, you know, oh, no one's going to like it versus the one person that you spoke with is, it's really important, right, to maintain your sincerity, your your authenticity, and your vulnerability. Um, Mayur, what's next for you? Like when you take a look at where you are today, where, where do you want to be, or what do you want to do next? You know, it's an interesting question. Uh, as I get more and more into the virtual reality space, I now have, I now can see potential and and the possibilities of bringing unbelievable realities to places that could never exist. Um, and so I want to I want to do things where a um, physician in Chicago can take a look um, at a patient's records in uh, the middle of Uganda and in a second see everything and be able to visualize their surroundings, what they're doing, how they live and make proper recommendations. You don't have to fly to Uganda. It doesn't take them more than a few minutes and you have just changed the life or saved the life of many patients. I mean, I love making technology and things for fun, for money, for business, for efficiency. But at some point, um, that, 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 that uh, kick to give back 
or to find this type of technology in the hands of those who could only look at it in a, in a video or see it on a TV or look at it in a, in possibly in a newspaper. Um, it would be amazing, you know, to, to bring something like that, as simple as that, to, low, to levels that, that don't have technology, that don't have resources, that, that could use uh, fundamental changes. And you don't have to even leave the United States. You know, I mean, we have places just in the United States that could use this. So um, for me, I want to broaden the aspect of technology and healthcare, but I want to take into consideration the people that might find it difficult to be a part of this new wave, right? I don't want to lose sight of them. And so that's part of my goal is to bridge those both together. You're really a visionary with this, Mayur. And, I, and again, I just want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the show and kind of giving insights to healthcare professionals and executives that are listening so that they understand like what's really out there. There's going to be people that will want to connect with you. And if they do, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> best way is to find me on LinkedIn. And uh, I'll be happy to chat with you there under my full name. <laughs> Excellent. Mayor, again, I just want to thank you for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Um, and I'm just wishing you the absolute best and the nothing but success as you continue with what you do. Thank you for the opportunity, Iqbal. From hearing him speak, I learned that the healthcare industry is undergoing a paradigm shift as it relates to training and that employers who embrace hybrid learning are able to scale faster and increase their efficiency. I also took away that remaining steadfast in your own beliefs of who you are, your ideas, and your capabilities can benefit you and the society around you even when others are in doubt. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more amazing interviews. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and let me know what your thoughts are. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare executives advance their career, build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another amazing and insightful interview. But until then, let's keep working together to take healthcare to a higher level.